Chris Pace, and David Hawkins. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Dive Bar. I'm your host, Dave Hawkins. And I'm Chris Pace. So, uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other, so uh, you always like to spend the first couple minutes of our episode chitty-chatting and catching up, so uh, how you been? I've been good, been good. I actually uh, took this this, this week off the road, give you an idea of how backwards it feels right now, so it's uh, been nice to hang out in Colorado for more than uh, three days in a row. Good. Yeah, um, I, you've been uh, always busy. You're always traveling, so it's always nice when we can uh, sync up our schedules and uh, uh, join up. And especially on this occasion, since uh, Chris and or, uh, James and Nancy are sick, as we said in our Facebook Live video, uh, could be the flu, could be coronavirus. Uh, we just don't know. So Chris was awesome enough to... Uh, come in and say, hey, let's do the dive bar today, and so here we are, and doing the dive are. bar. Ready to rock it, man. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you been watching anything good? What, reading anything good? Um, you know, I just rewatched Masterminds with Zach Galifianakis. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I just can't go wrong with that movie. I, I love that one. Um, also just watched, um, gosh, um, I don't have to think about it. Oh, gosh, I, I, it slips me now. I just watched it. It was fantastic. Uh, buffaloed. Buffalo. Buffalo. Never even heard of Buffalo. Oh, man, it's fantastic. you got to check it out. So this lady has the, the intensity that I had when I was 20 years old, which is scary. That is scary. Know. I know I know you, you know, pretty close to 20 years old. That yeah. is scary. Yeah, no, I, you can get into some shit, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so so the, basically the premise is this girl is kind of a kind of a wheeler-dealer girl, and she gets accepted to college, so she's going to be the first to escape Buffalo and her family and uh. go to college. But she doesn't have any money to, to do that. And so she starts scalping Bill's tickets to, to do that. You know, she's uh, counterfeiting tickets. So she goes to prison in this weird, you know, weird change of events. She goes to prison for 40 months. She comes out. She ends up running a telemarketing company. And it's all about the inner workings of telemarketing companies in Buffalo. And, it, man, it is it is awesome. It's like a dark comedy. It's got this zany humor throughout. It's, it's got a love story. Buffaloed. Very. That's a weird premise. That's it's, so it's kind good, of all man. over the place. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, I have. I've been out of town a little bit. You know, I don't travel as much as you do, but you know, now I know that when you're out of town, it's hard to like you know really you know be consistent watching anything. So um, on their plane, I started watching uh, Shit's Creek. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, have you ever seen or heard Shit's Creek? Heard it. Heard it, but I've never watched. Yeah. One. So it was recommended by my parents of all people. All right. Um, and it's uh, created by Dan Levy and Eugene Levy. Uh-huh. Uh, really great premise. Uh, really funny show. So I've been enjoying that and, and some Bob's Burgers. All right. Bob's Burgers was really great this week. Awesome. Yeah. Other than that, uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. Do you ever watch Kirby Enthusiasm? I, you know, I've watched a couple episodes ever, but... Oh, man. You know, you know, it's so funny. I've been having conversations lately, but there are so many... Like, you talk to anybody... And it's like, there's so much content out there. I think we've had this conversation that you could watch everything every day and still not get half of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And new stuff keeps coming sure. out. So um, I was, I'm was i a sci-fi guy, and there's a new show called Altered Carbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually came out a couple years ago, uh, the first season, and then they just dropped the second season. Really loved the first season, mm-hmm. but I don't have time to watch the second season. Sure. And there's just so much out there, and it keeps coming out. You know, there's no break. Right. Yeah. No. That's one thing about growing up is, like, you had the summer, and it was all reruns, so you can... You get caught up on everything, and then you know you just wait for the next season to start. Right. Yeah. No, it's uh, you know, I, I have uh, what do you call it? Digital streaming envy. Um, so my daughter, who's in high school, you know, she'll she'll watch a show. And it'll be like the tenth time. She she and she's proud of it. She'll come. Up, she'll be like, oh my gosh, Dad, I just watched you know the one hundred, you know, for the you know the whole series for the fourth or fifth time. I'm like, and I and I think about this and the hours that go into it, and then I realize that she doesn't. Well, she does have a job. She works four hours a week, but <laughs> she doesn't have like a real job. Job, you know. She's just going to school. She's doing her once she's done with her homework and her chores. I guess you know that's how you pass your time. Name a show that if it comes on, you just like I got to watch a show. Workaholics. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Yeah. It's a that's a given. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about you? The Office. Yeah, 100% The Office. I'm, I'm with you there, too. Man. Yeah, and uh, I'm a, a big fan of podcasts, so I listen to podcasts after podcasts. And The Office Ladies, which is, like, if you listen to the stuff I listen to, it's, like, serial killers, true crime. <laughs> nice. Then you have like, a little bit of Kevin Smith in there, uh, and we'll talk about his podcasting because it's all about Kevin Smith this week. Um, 
So this is very unusual kind of podcast that I listen to, but it's so great. I love The Office so much and getting to get, uh, getting to hear all of the background information. Um, you know, talk about how great Steve Carell is, and they they both love Steve Carell. It's hosted by Jenna Fisher and Angela Kings. Kingsley? Kingsbury? Yeah. One of the two. Uh, <laughs> Kinsey. Uh, Kinsey. Kinsey, yes. Angela Kinsey. I got you. Um, it's just a, gr- a great show. Huh. And they're so two. innocent. Yeah, they're yeah. It's funny. They're it's great a- on Twitter and Instagram, man. I follow them, and uh, they're always you know poking at each other, having fun, and yeah, yeah living and their best life. It's a great a show. And it, they turned me on to uh, the Good Place podcast. So I was a huge fan of the show called The Good Place. Uh-huh. Have you I've heard seen? of it, yeah. So uh, the Mont High podcast, we did a review of the season or the series finale of The Good Place a couple weeks ago, and it's one of our favorite shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, created by Michael Shore, who created Parks and Rec and was uh, one of the writers on The Office, um, created this crazy show that didn't follow any rules. They hired the best, funniest people uh, with no preconceived notions of like you know they. We want to hire certain people, type of people. No, they just they got the best people that they could find, writers, actors, and then they had this like really weird show, very limited series. It's kind of like a British show where very few episodes during the season, mm-hmm. um, only four seasons. They accomplished everything that they did. They didn't um, sacrifice their quality, and it's a hilarious show, uh, hosted by. Uh, the guy who played uh, the evil demon in The Good Place. Okay. And it, it's just a great, great fucking show. Right on. You know, and the great oh. podcast. So I'm like, I'm absorbing all these podcasts. Right on. Yeah. It's good stuff, so, man. If you haven't seen The Good Place, dude, yeah. uh, you know, you're traveling a lot. I download, uh, you know, first few episodes because they're sure. so great. And just, you know, watch them on the plane. I think you dig it. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I didn't realize that it was Michael Shore. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll tell you, I, I'm a huge Parks and Rec person, so. That's uh, that's cool. I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited to dig into that. Yeah, Parks and Rec is definitely another one of those shows where if I see it, oh I'll, yeah, I'll go and, and get it. You know, after the the first season was pretty slow, um, so it was hard to get through the first season, but yeah. we kept with it just because it was enough like The Office, and we wanted an Office type show, mm-hmm. so we just kept with it. And then as soon as season two came through, it just took off. Yeah, what a great cast. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, and, and uh, you know, a sizable unknown cast at the time. I mean, that was Chris oh, Pratt, you know, Venturin, um, you know, Aziz Ansari. So, which I got to tell you, so you know, there's all these you know tests on online about what, who's your character, who matches you. So, so my kids have been watching Parks and Rec, and they said, "Dad, Dad, take this test. We want to find out who you are." So, my daughter's Leslie Nope. Um, you know, my 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 son is actually April, and <laughs> uh, and and everyone thought I was going to be like you know Chris Pratt's character, uh, Andy. And uh, and it turns out I was Tom. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Every day someone will make a comment and they'll be like, "Hey Tom, what's going on?" And you know it's funny because I th- I thought it at first, but it's just so damn true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if I took that test, I'd yeah. be Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, man, <laughs> I, I can see a little Ron Swanson in you. Yeah, that's what I, I, I wanted. Feel, yeah, everybody wants Ron Swanson, and, right. and he was pretty unknown at that yeah, time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Michael Schur just has. Uh, a gift at finding the best people. Sure. Uh, when you listen to this podcast, like, we are so way off. Yeah, our we topic. are. Right? Yeah. No, this is about Kevin Smith, all right? Yeah, this is about Kevin Smith. <laughs> so in honor of Kevin Smith, I got high before the show. Chris did not, so this will be an interesting conversation. <laughs> but we've already gone off onto some serious tangents here. Um, but uh, Michael Shore, listen to this podcast, Michael Shore, he, like I said, he just wants the best people. He wants – and he wants uh, – a wide diverse background so mm-hmm. he can get a women's point of view he can get different uh, cultures point of view mm-hmm. so he can put them all together and you know just come up with the best possible product they their writers write to the actors and not yeah. the characters and i think that what, that's what really uh sets up the parks and rec and the good place off absolutely cool yeah. i'm sold man yeah all so right definitely check it out you so, got it so let's do this kevin smith kevin smith you like uh, kevin smith a little bit right i like kevin smith just a little bit just a little all yeah right. so in here at the dive bar we like to uh go in a little bit deeper and do some research on some of the, the things the people the books authors you know stuff that we really love and then take a deeper dive into it and when I, 
I can't believe it took us our third episode to come up with Kevin Smith. <laughs> well, I had to hold you back, man. Yeah. You know, we had to refine our process before we got really content heavy. That's true. So, you know, the first couple episodes were just uh, testing. Now we're now we're seasoned professionals. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man, I like that. Yeah, seasoned. I, you know, I woke up and I felt a lot power, a lot more powerful this morning than normal. So. so to make somebody a professional, do you have to have actually earned money doing what you do? Um. It, well, gosh, I mean, there's a lot of professional things. Things that I probably am qualified to do now. I pay to do a lot of things, Dave. Uh, some with his clothes on, yeah. some with his clothes off. Yeah, no, hey, whatever you want. If you were paying me, I'm I'm the professional, right? I don't think I can afford you. No, no. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. You got you got some some change in your pocket. Right. But no, I think you I think you need a certification, or or maybe you just need like a certificate of achievement that you passed a training program. It's like selling insurance, right? Everybody has their life insurance license. You can earn it for like fifty bucks in taking one test. I mean, who can't sell insurance? It's also kind of like uh, getting certified to marry people. Yeah, right. Being ordained. Yeah, everybody's a minister. Yeah, Kevin Everybody. Smith is a minister. See <laughs> nice. how I brought that uh, around? I like that. Yeah, right so uh, I am probably one of the world's biggest Kevin Smith fans. But what's really weird is that in Kevin in the Kevin Smith world, I'm not unusual. Like, mm. people who really love Kevin Smith really fucking love Kevin Smith. And then other people just tolerate him. Sure. But, you know, he has a really rabid fan base that are super loyal to everything he does. And I am not ashamed to say that I am definitely one of them. Right on. You know, he has touched me in so many ways <laughs> over the years that did he'll you, never did know. Did you get paid for that? Are you a professional uh, Kevin Smith fan? I, I, no, I've actually paid him to touch me. So. Okay, there you go. All right. <laughs> yeah. So when uh, we're coming up with ideas of uh, stuff to deep dive in. You know, Kevin Smith is kind of one of those characters where I'm sure everybody has heard the name, but nobody, or not, I wouldn't say nobody, but maybe folks don't really know who Kevin Smith is and, you know, why he has such a rabid fan base. So uh, that's why Kevin Smith, that's where we're going. So, yes, I'm in love with him. Right. Um, uh, he's, I, I think he's extremely creative. And the fact that he doesn't just do one thing. Like, right. we're talking about Michael Schur, and he's a great showrunner, but uh, I don't know what else Michael Schur does. Whereas Kevin Smith can, you know, he writes, directs, uh, he's, you know, producing shows, movies, he had a podcast. He's one of the, the many innovators in the podcasting. Uh, one of the reasons why we're here sitting on our ass talking about Kevin Smith is because Kevin Smith kind of trailblazed for us. Sure. Uh, like I said, man of many talents, and one of the reasons why I really love Kevin Smith is he's a master motivator. He's such a, an excellent orator, mm -hmm. uh, but he's always really positive. Along, you know, he's funny, of course, but he's also really positive and mm -hmm. really inspiring. So we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. Um, you know, first things first, you know, we got to tell folks who Kevin Smith is a person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to get started? Yeah, absolutely. I, so if you guys are uh, seasoned listeners to the Mott High Podcast, I write some pretty extensive outlines, and I wrote almost four pages of bio. Yeah. So uh, it's going to sound like we're going to read because uh, I wrote a lot of shit about Kevin Smith. So, yeah. All right. So yeah. so here's the Wikipedia version of Kevin Smith. I actually... Right? Funny enough, yeah. not copy and paste it. I wrote all this. Oh, oh okay. I, this oh, is all man. me. This I is my writing right. talents at work I, I, here. I retract that. So if right. it sucks, it's Wikipedia. So, but so, if it's good, it's me. So this is Hawkopedia. Hawkopedia. All right. There you go. Here we go. We got Kevin Smith. was born in 1970 in Red Bank, New Jersey. His mom was a homemaker. His dad was a postal worker who worked nights. One of the things that really helped shape Kevin's early life was that he and his father would go to a different movie every week. Similar to our Tarantino story of uh, last week, where he was exposed to different types of cinema in his youth. This left an indelible image on both filmmakers. Yeah, so um, I think I just reversed the roles. I told Chris I was going to read everything, but yeah. I've been talking so much already, I thought I'd let him chime in a little bit. Um, but when I wrote this part, I actually kind of thought about you and when you were growing up with your mom, sure. how important movies were to your relationship with that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Kevin Smith, he comes, you know, both his parents are married, but his dad worked nights, and so uh, on the weekends, he'd be off, and so him and his dad would go and watch all sorts of movies. It'd be mm -hmm. martial arts movies, comedies, dramas, period pieces. It didn't matter. They Every Saturday, they would go and watch a movie. 
And so that forged a, a really strong bond between Kevin Smith and his father, uh, but it really instilled in him his passion for cinema. Well, man, listen, I so I appreciate the call out. That's certainly what my childhood was, was really kind of watching movies with my mom. And, you know, I mean, you know, growing up, uh, you know, with a single mom, that's that's kind of what you do, right? We didn't have a lot of money to go and do whatever. So we, we rented videos at the time, VHS, and uh, <laughs> a few kids out there know what those are. But, uh, you know, here's, retro. The, here's the cool part, and I'm going to get right to the thesis statement on how I feel about Kevin Smith. I love Kevin Smith because he creates an experience for the viewer that you can relate to. So when you're done with the movie, the movie's not done with you. How you relate and the conversations you have, because he he really tells, and he's got some pretty out there things, you know, like you think dogma. I mean, that was that was out there until you really come back into his view, and it really wasn't. It's every day. So yeah, and you know, uh, he's really you. I don't know if he's so much doing it now, um, but when in his earlier career, he was really ahead of his time. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, he, he really I want to talk about someone that spoke the language of the people watching his movies, experiencing those lives. I mean, and, and really, and we'll get into this, but I mean, where he comes from, it's just it's such a such a fantastically genuine experience. And, and it comes through in his in his cinema and in his personality. You know, and I think that's why he's so positive and motivating. You know, yeah. he's kind of every guy. Absolutely. So in uh, Kevin's teenage years, uh, he worked at a youth center with this dude named Walt Flanagan and his dog. <laughs> I don't know that story. No, man. Oh, you know, it's from Clerks. You guys, yeah, get down with Walt Flanagan's fucking dog. Uh, oh, man. Oh, shit. Yeah. You pulled out a clerk reference, and I yeah. didn't get it. Oh, nice man. job. That, you get uh, one point for that Thank one. Thank you. But Walt Flanagan, uh, he is uh, one of the hosts of Comic Book Men, um, lifelong Kevin Smith best friend, but. Kevin Smith uh, credits him with turning him on to comic books. And he's told the story a million times, so go check out the Kevin Smith podcast. He tells the story a million times of how he got into comic books. But Kevin Smith really was the comic book nerd before all these comic book movies came out. Now everybody's a comic book nerd. Sure. But, comic, but Kevin Smith was the OG comic book nerd. And it, he can trace it all the way back to this meeting that he had with Walt Flanagan back in the early 80s at this weird youth center in right. Red Bank, New Jersey. <laughs> They're all weird in Red Bank. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of what I hear. Um, so funny enough, another person that he met at this youth at this youth uh, center, Jason Mewes. Man. Who, and Cast who, characters. Yeah, but and he grew up to be Jay, you know, Jay yeah. from Jay and Silent Bob. Right. Uh, Kevin Smith spent his days in high school acting, uh, going to movies, and writing and filming comics, uh, comic skits. Uh, and that he was pretty sure that he was going to make movies for a living. So uh, when he graduated high school, he went to the Vancouver Film School, where he lasted all of four months. Ooh. But yeah. I I graduated in three years and I did nothing with my degree. <laughs> he went to school for four months. It's like I pretty much figured out how to make my own movie. So kudos sure. to him. Got what he needed. Yeah, you have a degree, right? Uh, no, no, I have a s- associate's degree. You? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I'm st- I'm actually you know, I'm in between uh, schools. I think I'm on my eighth college at this time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh I studied creative writing for a long time. Nice. So, but you know, kind of the same thing. I ended up getting a job as a journalist, and so that kind of took me down the path. You know, I kind of figured out what I wanted to do. So, and and I started making kids. And that, <laughs> that, that tends to force you to get a job. Yeah, so. pretty quickly. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so, one of the the highlights of him going to the Vancouver Film School for all of four months is he met with his future business partner and producer, Scott Mosier. Uh, they're very similar, even though Scott Mosier comes from a pretty affluent part of Canada. Kevin Smith comes from lower middle class New Jersey. Um, movies brought them together, and awesome. that that really shows the the power of movies. You know, it really brings people together. Right on. You know, I've never heard the name Scott Mosier in reference to Kevin Smith. Really? Yeah, I have no idea who Scott Mosier is. So this is this is fantastic. Yeah. So Scott Mosier and uh, Kevin Smith, they um, have forged a really long relationship ever since. Obviously, um, Kevin was in college. Right. Um, Scott Mosier was always the producer and always the guy in the the behind the scenes. Right. And only, uh, you know, us Kevin Smith nerds really know who Scott Mosier is. That's awesome. Uh, but recently he decided he wanted to get into directing animated movies. And he is one of the directors of the Grinch animated movie that came out a couple years ago. No kidding. That's no really shit. Cool. Right yes. on. Gotta love it. Yes. So some Scott Mosier trivia for you. All right. 
so like I said, uh, Kevin Smith left after four months. Uh, he went back to work at this little shop called Quick Stop in yeah. New Jersey. So if you guys know Kevin Smith, then you already know the significance of Quick Stop. Uh, on his 21st birthday, uh, he went to New York City and he saw this movie called Slacker by Richard, Link- Richard Linklater. You bet. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. It was like the original winner of SXSW. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So as big of a fan of Kevin Smith as, as I am, yeah. never seen the movie. Tell no me kidding. about it. Tell me about it. No, you know, I mean, it's just kind of it, like everything Richard Linklater does. It's just kind of a, a you know, flash in a pan, slice of life. You know, it's about basically this kid. And I, I think it actually takes place in Austin because most of Linklater's stuff is in Texas. But it's like Dana Life. And it's just, it, it, but it, what it does is. You ever see Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater? Oh, my God. Right? So, um, I know you don't listen to a lot of my high podcast. Yeah. We spent a good 40 minutes of one of our episodes completely blowing Christian Slater. And that was <laughs> one of my favorite. That and Gleaming the Cube are yes. my two Christian Slater my That's favorite awesome. movies. So, so, Slacker kind of just felt like it would be like if, uh, you know, Happy Harry Hardon. Um, wasn't it wasn't a controversial DJ in the end, but he was just kind of a kid going through. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole point, you know. So it was a really uneventful movie, but it was indie film in the nineties, you know, or gosh, late eighties. Yeah. So So uh the Slacker really made a, a impact on Kevin Smith's life. not more so of the movie, but he's like, you know, if this guy can make this kind of movie, then I can make my kind of movie. Sure. So uh Based off of that, he called up Scott Mosier. Scott Mosier went to New Jersey, and uh, Kevin Smith maxed out a bunch of credit cards, borrowed a bunch of money from his folks, and sold his comic book collection, his prized comic book collection. No kidding. Uh, of which he is still to this day trying to collect all those com- those comics that he sold. Sure. And he, that's kind of his um, thing is that he's going back through and trying to rebuy all those comics. That's incredible. Um, that's cool. So he raised all uh, $27,000. He to save money, he cast a bunch of his friends, such as Jason Mewes, uh, Scott Mosier's in there. Right. Uh, Scott Mosier is, you know, Scott Mosier. Yeah. He is the snowball. No, guy. is he really? Yes, that he is, is the so fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'll never forget that. Yeah. For, you sucked thirty-six dicks <laughs> in a row. In a row. <laughs> uh, so uh, he uh, used the quick stop as the set for his movie so he didn't have to pay for that and it's basically just him and his buddy who worked at the video store next door and it's just a movie about them and about shit that they talked about oh man yeah i'll tell you top five all-time movies when it comes to dialogue right you got breakfast club you got big lebowski i i I think clerks has got to be my number three i mean if you if you just listened to that movie and watched nothing else i think you'd, you'd have a very enjoyable experience and once again it's so ahead of its time because this yeah. is like 91 maybe 1991 yeah 91 92 yeah and they're talking star wars yeah they're talking comic books they're yeah. talking about um how shitty uh um like movies are yeah. like some movies are real shitty and yeah. um they're talking about how <laughs> shitty customers are and stuff so yeah <laughs> we do know there are there, the customer's never wrong right customers <laughs> all the time <laughs> so so i will tell you this man there's such relevance i i probably clerks may be one of the most quotable movies for me on a daily basis you know i work in the building industry and i talk about contractors a lot and we talk about insurance and liability so you know where i'm going with you're this. going to the dsr right so every time someone brings it up and they're like oh i can't believe that happen i'm like well you sure shit better understood the circumstances of your job before you take a fucking job and then blame the environment on it you know like it's that easy if death star blows up you shouldn't have taken that gig bro and you knew what you're getting into yeah all those motherfuckers they exactly. knew what they're getting into exactly all right so um kim smith makes clerks he writes directs edits himself and he submits it to sundance it gets picked up by sundance and lo and behold First film that he does, he wins the Filmmaker's Trophy, and right away, it's purchased by none other than Harvey Weinstein right. and Miramax. Yep. He, a prime, like, beginning of a rapey season yeah. for uh, Weinstein. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, after the success of Clerks, uh, Kevin Smith is hired on for his next movie called Mallrats, and we're going to spend some time on Mallrats, because that movie was... It bombed at the at the box office, uh-huh. panned by critics. My favorite Kevin Smith comedy. Yeah, absolutely. And when I say ahead of his time, when I I keep saying that, that movie didn't really gain ground, gain traction until 
it went to VHS and to DVD. Right. And then if uh, people fell in love with Kevin Smith because of Mallrats. Yeah, really. hands down. Yeah. yeah. No, Mall, Mallrats was just a uh, – I mean, when you think about it, that was the mid-'90s. Everyone was hanging out at malls. Like, that's the whole thing is he captured, like, the generational – I don't know. It's like this weird sub-level of generation that, like, those are the people that not only watched them. It was almost like they got to watch themselves in a movie. Oh, you know? absolutely! Because those are the people that drove the the, the you know the the comeback sales of mall rats. They're all these kids going, "Oh shit, that's my life!" You know, I go over the fashionable mail all the time. <laughs> Every yeah, you know, the thing about mall rats as well. So that was the Aurora Mall. Yeah, right. That, that literally was the Aurora Mall. Everything about it, from the pretzel stand <laughs> to right. they would always have some sort of performance in the mall. Like sure. they, I don't think they ever do that shit anymore. But yeah. Like, they would have Tiffany yeah. come to the malls and perform at the malls. I mean, and so, like, having a, a, a video, or not video, a, a game show yeah. at the mall, that happened. At, yeah, it's so great. Um, and then comic books. They are talking about comic books. And who do they introduce to the world? Yeah. Fucking Stan Lee. Right. His first cameo. Yeah. In Mallrats. That's incredible. I didn't realize that was his first. This is very Makes first. sense. Yeah. So if you guys have seen Captain Marvel, have you yeah. seen Captain yeah, Marvel? Yeah. Absolutely. So they have a great cameo by Stan Lee, yeah. and he's reading the Mallrats script. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I got that. No. You, yeah. I can't believe you didn't catch it. Yeah. No. Um, so that was kind of a, a really cool nod. Yeah. You know, to Kevin Smith, but also the Stan Lee. For sure. Um, Stan Lee's the king of cameos. Yeah. So, like I said, um, Mallrats bombed, mm-hmm. but what a great cast that they brought in there, yeah. of which um, Jason Lee. Right. Uh, love Jason Lee. He was probably my favorite character of his was uh, My Name is Earl. Yeah. yeah well, that was, that's great. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, before that, he was a skater. Yeah, he's a professional skateboarder. Yeah, Christian Asoy, and that's it. Yeah. And uh, I think that was right around the time when Tony Hawk started. Yeah, doing. absolutely. So if I was skateboarding and Tony Hawk came in, I'm like, <laughs> fuck this, I'm going to be an actor, too. Right. <laughs> um, also, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. That really started the long-term relationship that uh, between Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck. Right. And uh, uh, Kevin Smith loved Ben Affleck so much that he cast him in the next movie, Chasing Amy. Right. And uh, I know you love Chasing Amy. Um, this one was a career bounce back for Kevin Smith. He It was successful financially. It was... Um, really well received by mm-hmm. the critics, um, but what a, a great like script! What a great movie! Um, and what's going to have his time? They're talking about you know a woman who's gay and a guy trying not quite understanding what that. Oh, I don't think she's gay. Like I think she'll be okay with me. Right. Um, so far ahead of its time. Sure. Like who knew in like the late nineties, early two thousands, you know that this kind of stuff would be so prevalent today. For sure. So, yeah, no, so, I, I mean the whole script line. I mean, you know, it, was, it talked about relationships on a deep level, but it, but it always kept it light with the dialogue, but heavy with the kind of ideology. And that's what I love. The balance is like you could watch a movie like that and feel like, wow, I'm, I'm really, I'm really thinking about myself here, but I'm also having a really, really good laugh because this is great shit. Absolutely. Um, I, it's not my favorite of his movies, mm-hmm. but I would say that is his best movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, it was it was well structured, well put together. I mean, I'm not kidding. I went out to, and tried to fall in love and break my own heart after I watched that movie. I don't know what that <laughs> How'd that work out? How'd that uh, work for broke you? Broke my heart, man. She moved to South Carolina. Uh, yeah, but everything kind of worked out in the end, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, your wife might be listening to this later, probably <laughs> yeah. not, but just in case. <laughs> right. Um, another quick uh, little uh, interesting tidbit about chasing Amy. So Ben Affleck was casting the the lead role. Him, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon were writing a script called Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. and they were striking out. Nobody is wanting to make their shit, so they gave the script to Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith loved it and gave it to Mr. Rapey, Harvey Weinstein, yep. who fucking loved it, and then gave it to Yon, as a Yonder Bunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yonder, I, yeah. Uh, we'll say, or Bender Bunt, I don't know. <laughs> but they, um, Robin Williams won his first Oscar because of it, yeah. you know, because Kevin Smith is, right. he's an innovator. He's, yeah. You know, how about them apples? How about them apples? Yeah. So great. Have, have you seen the Jane and Bob uh, strike back where they have uh, oh, the yeah. goodwill hunting too? Uh-huh. That's what I think oh, absolutely. of. Absolutely. It's great. Applesauce, motherfucker. <laughs> so anyway, we're, we're, I'm tangenting so bad. It's all good, man. man. It's all good. All right. So after, so there we go. 
I didn't tangent. No, I, you were right I, there. I went right there. Right so, there, man. I got you. Uh, so James Seinbog Strike Back was the next one. Uh, his first movie that he made that he didn't write himself, uh, or uh, I think he did write it, but it's not part of his universe, is uh, a movie called Jersey Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen Jersey Girl? Not. Okay. So it kind of takes a little bit of his slice of life where Ben Affleck is – uh, this big time PR guy makes a stupid move. His wife dies, and so he has to raise a little girl on his own. So he moves into his dad's house in New Jersey. His dad is played by George Carlin, who's brilliant in wow. this movie. Uh, the little girl was really good, and this is the movie was destined to fail because it was filmed right in, in the heat of the Benefer yeah. craze, and so there was a lot of scrutiny on it. Uh, ben Affleck and J Lo, who J Lo is in the movie, right. um, as his wife who ends up passing away. Uh, everything surrounds it, so the movie tanks. It's panned by audiences or uh, by critics, but it, it's a really wholesome movie. It's a really right. pretty decent movie. Um, not one of his, my favorite of his, but it's a really good movie. It's a good show. So is it more of like a comedic drama? Was it maybe the it's change more, of pace that it, threw people off? Yeah, it's, it definitely is more drama, uh-huh. less comedy. Okay, There's some gotcha. funny bits in there. Uh, George Carlin can't help but be funny. Oh, but, of course. Um, it, it's not very, it's not supposed to be funny. It's okay. not very funny. It's gotcha. more of his drama side. Uh, for the Kevin Smith fans, though, you know, it's, it's a really good movie. Okay. So, right on? Yeah. All right, I'll have to check that one out. So, um, right after Jersey Girl, he goes and makes Clerks 2, which uh-huh. I I love Clerks 2. Not one of my favorite comedies, but uh, a lot of Kevin Smith fans really put that at the top of their list. Sure. It, great writing, once yeah. again. Uh, right after Clerks 2, he makes Zack and Mary make a porno. Right. With a then-unknown Seth Rogen. Yeah. And uh, that movie kind of tanked as well. Which, which hurts my heart because I it thought does. it was so well done. It was. And, and, and Elizabeth Banks was illustrious in that role. Yeah. Uh, everything about that movie is great. Um, I think it's really funny. It uh, kind of introduced the world to Craig Robinson. Right. Um, Seth Rogen was in it. Yeah. Uh, just Elizabeth Banks. She was not Elizabeth Banks then. Right. You know? And what's funny is that in the post-production of... Zach and Miri, uh-huh. Seth Rogen's uh, Knocked Out came out, uh-huh. and then he fucking exploded. Oh, yeah, yeah, he breaks through the roof. But in one of the most interesting changes of life here, Seth Rogen actually turned Kevin Smith on to weed. No now, kidding. Kevin Smith didn't really smoke weed up uh-huh. until making Zach and Miri. Seth Rogen convinced him that he can be creative and still be productive even by being a stoner. And Kevin Smith has been the single most outspoken weed advocate of anybody else, uh, probably in pop culture right yeah. now. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Right See, on. See, it's a good thing you didn't read this outline because no, I'm, I'm teaching you all sorts of shit. I know. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So um, after Zach and Miri, uh, Kevin Smith made a movie called Cop Out, mm-hmm. which is the first time that he neither wrote or edited his own movie. You know, he was hired by Paramount or whoever the fuck did it. Yep. And he had a notorious um, altercation with Bruce Willis where him and Bruce Willis, from the very moment they started filming, they butted heads and they um, really um, had it out for each other for the entire filming of that movie. And then came out and it completely bombed. Wow. So what was the big tip? Why do you think they had such an abrasion? Bruce Willis just didn't want to be there. Okay. So he refused to do anything Kevin asked him to do. Yeah. So one of the examples, so I read Kevin Smith's uh, biography mm-hmm. um, called um, Tough Shit. Okay. I, I believe it's called Tough Shit. Uh, it is for right now. Um, he talked about one particular scene. They're trying to film in a diner. And it's supposed to be a playful banter between... Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Willis refused to do any of his dialogue whatsoever. Wow. Like, just completely refused. He, and he said, I'm not going to do any of his dialogue. And so Kevin Smith thought he was being funny. Uh, but then they went to go film it, and he didn't do any of his dialogue. So therefore, Tracy Morgan had to take up the entire slack. And from then on, like, Kevin Smith and Bruce Willis just butted heads for wow. the entire time. He said that he just he refused to do anything. He'd come mm-hmm. in late. If he didn't want to work, he just wouldn't show up. Wow. Um, 
But what uh, Tracy Morgan really saved that movie, and Tracy Morgan kind of has a, a good place in my heart after, especially after Thirty Rock. But right. you know, hearing how he came to work, he was such a professional and so funny the whole time right. during this whole uh, fiasco with Bruce Willis. Yeah. So definitely uh, check that story out. Yeah, and no there's so much stuff you should check out. Yeah, no, I, I've got a lot of catching up to do. You man. do got a lot of catching up to do. So. After uh, Cop Out, um, Kevin Smith made uh, his first horror movie yeah. called Red State, uh-huh. which is completely underrated as a horror movie, uh, all kind of about the, the Westboro Baptists. Mm-hmm. If they were so zealoted that they started killing people, yeah. Uh, but, really, it's a really good horror movie. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest, let's they probably honest. have. That's true. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, you know, at the end of my life, I hope that. I've lived a life where they would protest at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. You've made a mark, right? When you can get that, the, the zealotry in front to, to, you know, hope for something different with you. You know what I skipped? Huh. Dogma. Yeah. And I was wondering. What what the hell happened? Oh, man. I don't know. I, so, didn't, I didn't see it on here, but I'm telling you, uh, that, that was a big one. I was going to reel it in. Dogma was fantastic because I believe, while his dialogue and all of his other movies previous – had addressed a lot of the commentary kind of going on. That was his first smack in the face to not, 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 I mean, in this case it was organized religion, Catholicism, but you know, he did it in such a respectful manner where you kind of like, you know, this has been my whole thing, right? You can complain about something. You can say that something's wrong. You just need to have a solution to provide as well. And he did that so well. Um, and, and let's be real, um, with, uh, Linda, what's her Fiorentino? Yeah, Lindy Fiorentino. Wow, I mean, he brought her right, right out of the, out of the, you know, uh, I guess the, uh, the, you know, the old books. Yeah, the, and uh, man, Alan Rickman, it's yeah. such a great character in that movie. For sure, God, and, and Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Right? Yeah. So Kevin Smith has that a really weird ability to get like the top talent to come into his movies, even sure. though they're like weird and they're full of dick jokes and yeah. and uh, Jane Silent Bob are in most of them, <laughs> right? But Dogma, yeah. So like you said, it was not he wasn't um, talking shit about religion, right? He was just pointing out the inconsistencies in religious dogma, sure. And uh, you know, he was doing it in such a, a respectful manner. He grew up as an altar boy. And so these are just kind of these questions that came up through his life. Like, you know, if you kill somebody, but yes, for forgiveness, are you really, you know, free of all sins and stuff? And so that kind of leads to, um, you know, this Loki, yeah. who uh, first time Loki's been in pop culture, right. you know, cutting off his wings. And then uh, he goes back through and he basically um, erases all of. Yeah. existence because yeah. he proved god was wrong right exactly yeah. in this big in this big boy what they it was the the something in the loop you know it was just like a shortcut in the loop yeah i can't but you know i listen i i, I think that movie was was so well done on so many different levels because it, i always judge a movie on this did they have all the scenes i needed to get to the point and and i'm telling you no matter when that movie when i you know follow up on that movie i watch the whole damn thing I mean, so if it's at the beginning, we're watching the whole damn thing. If it's ten minutes left, I'm watching it all. Definitely. So it's uh, no wasted time there. Absolutely. I yeah, I love Dogma. I had such a uh, that's Kevin Smith is the peak of his uh, uh, filmmaking career. You bet. Um, Buddy so, Christ. Buddy you Christ. Invented yeah, Buddy it's, Christ. it's a fucking meme now. Yeah, right. It's funny. <laughs> and so I wonder how many people see Buddy Christ and know where it's from. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So uh, now we're skipping. We're going fast forward. Yeah. So talking about religion, yeah. he Red State is very similar to where he's not really making fun of these people, but he is saying like these guys are pretty zealoted as it is. You know, what if we took it a step further? Right. And it's a really uh, tense, really stressful horror movie. Mm-hmm. And Michael Parks, who is just a phenomenal actor, anyway. Right. Fucking just kills that as the leader of this religious uh, cult. I can see that so well. Yeah, he's so, so good in this movie. Man, I got some catch up to do. Yeah, but uh, once again, Red State bombed. Like Kevin Smith was going through a bunch of bombs, right. and he's he became really disillusioned with uh, filmmaking, and so he vowed to retire. And in between uh, his his uh, directing gigs, he started going around the country into college campuses, into auditoriums, and doing these super extensive Q and A's mm-hmm. where he would just get up in front of the audience and just talk and answer questions about shit for 
hours. Yeah, that's and, so cool. Yeah, I've seen a, a couple of his Q and A's, and we were there. Uh, my wife and I saw it maybe five years ago, and it was two and a half hours long. The set before he had done ran long, so he got in there late. It was supposed to be like one or two hours, but it just it went two and a half, almost three hours long, and he got through maybe four questions. Wow! Because he just great. talks. You you ask him one question, and he just talks and talks. Yeah. And he's such a gifted orator, um, and you're just fascinated by all the stories. Sure. I saw. I've heard most of them before, but every time I hear it, it's like I'm hearing it again for the first time. I love it. Yeah. So he started doing. Uh, he spending more time doing the the Q and A and in the touring, and at the very same time. Scott Mosier turned him on to this podcast, this thing called a podcast, mm-hmm. hosted by Ricky Gervais. Okay. Uh, Ricky Gervais was one of the first celebrities to do this new form of meeting called podcasting. Sure. Um, and Kevin Smith fell in love with the with Ricky Gervais and his podcast and came up with this whole uh, second career of podcasting, uh, starting with the podcast of uh, um, called Smodcast, okay. which is him and Scott Mosier okay. just bantering back and forth, kind of like what we're doing now. Right. Only you know they're talking about making films and shit. Right. But from this podcast, this crazy fucking movie uh, came out called Tusk. Okay. And uh, Tusk it came from uh, they read this story. They do this thing where they go up to Canada or they. Um, look up uh, Canada's news and weird news stories that up in Canada, and one of them was this guy who um, would is asking for a roommate, and they could live there free of charge, but every once in a while they would have to dress up like a walrus. Right. And so <laughs> Kevin Smith like talked about it and like, you know, should I make this into a movie? And his audience is like, fuck yes, make a weird ass Kevin Smith horror movie right. called Tusk, yeah. and he did. And I will tell you, yeah. you, I don't know if you've seen uh, it. Yeah. Okay. My favorite Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. I will, no kidding. It is so fucking weird. Yeah. It's a really pretty decent sure. horror movie. Yeah. But it's so fucking weird. It takes so many chances. What a weird fucking concept. And it, and it works. And I right. think that's where you see Kevin Smith's real um, artistic um, quality come through or um, his talent come through. He comes through doing weird fucking shit being mm-hmm. himself and not caring about anything right. and just making the movie that he wants to and I think Tusk was a fucking bomb ass movie yeah no I agree in fact that was a, probably the first Kevin Smith movie I didn't realize it was a Kevin Smith movie when I first started watching ah. it so I just turned it on and I had you know I'd read it on uh, read the uh, the synopsis and then I turned it on I started watching it and of course the credits fly and I see Kevin Smith and I'm like holy shit now I know I'm in for a ride and uh, I, I don't think I I don't think I blinked much during the movie because I was just trying to take it all in because it was such a it was such an odd concept but it was so well done dialogue was good the shots were good that was probably some of the best cinematography I've seen in a Kevin Smith movie oh 100 percent and it was carried by Michael Parks once yeah. again I mean that guy was fucking killer <laughs> right. he was yeah. so good pardon the pun so um, from Tusk Kevin Smith starts uh, getting gigs. Um, uh, touring his podcast, mm-hmm. he starts getting uh, hired by the WB to direct episodes of The Flash and Supergirl. Then he started directing episodes of The Goldbergs. Mm-hmm. Uh, in between, he uh, started doing this uh, show called Comic Book Men, which is uh, basically uh, uh, have you ever seen Pawn Stars? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Comic Book Men is basically Pawn Stars in a comic book That's shop. That's awesome. Yeah, and he got a spot right after The Walking Dead, so sure. that ran for seven seasons. So um, that kind of brings us up to today. Yeah. Uh, he's been um, touring for the last six months. Yeah. Uh, famously, two years ago, almost to the day, I think it was like mm-hmm. the 25th of February, Yeah. he had a massive heart attack and that. nearly died. Yeah. Uh, they gave him a 2% chance of surviving because right. they, they, they call his heart attack the Widowmaker. Right. And so that kind of unlocked this um, other side of him where he's like, I have all these movies that I want to make. Right. I, I'm lucky to be alive, so I'm. I don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna do whatever I want to do. Yep. I'm gonna find some way to make these movies, and from that came Jane Silent Bob reboot, right? Which not a lot of people have seen because it was a very limited, kind of a weird release. Like mm-hmm. there was one night where um, they played in a bunch of theaters, but then it shut down, and he would do a tour, and everywhere he would do the tour, the movie would open up, and then it'd go away pretty soon. Gotcha. Uh, it finally came up. 
sorry, it finally came on uh, digital on Amazon. So I definitely recommend checking that out. But uh, it's a, it's a hilarious movie talking about reboots, like the reboot culture that mm-hmm. we've talked about, um, while also being a reboot at the same time. <laughs> right. So nice. That's very Chekhovian. Yeah. So uh, he has already signed on to do um, Mallrats two. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's gonna it's a sequel, but it's gonna be with a younger cast. Sure. And then Clerks three is in the pipeline. Excellent. And that's just his movies. Yeah. Um, we haven't even fucking started on the TV project he's right. working on. So uh, tell me, do you know of any of the stuff that he's been working on? No, no. So so I have to admit, man, my my Kevin Smith days are not over by any means, but they went on pause, and I think just because that that captured such a good part of my life. And then, and then, you know, things just progressed. And, and, and I've admitted this to you. Unfortunately, the last couple of years, I've fallen kind of out of favor with, with being culturally immersed. Yeah. Um, you know, I really, I, as cliche as it sounds, 2020, it's new year, new me. Um, I've been digging right back in. So I've been reading a lot more fiction, putting down the leadership and motivation books. Um, and, you know, I, I, there's plenty of stuff on the business side, but really getting back to that soul of that, that the artistry for me so i'm getting fired up talking about oh, good. i'm making mental notes and uh, it's funny this outline is now going to be my uh, checklist yeah good to go and watch some fucking movies and get yeah. caught up on my life that, and that's yeah. all i asked for um but he is he was signed on by netflix to uh reboot the he-man the masters of the universe oh franchise. yes yes i did see yes. didn't i send that to you, you well you, you sent me the cast yeah i already knew yeah um he is uh rebooting the Howard the Duck franchise oh, for Hulu. Yes. But uh, I, I grew up a He-Man fan. Yeah. How about you? Hell yeah. All right. Absolutely. Did you have a Castle Grayskull? I did. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. I even had Skeletor's Castle, man. Oh, hell yeah. I even had the rare purple panther that, uh, what was it, Tyra or Tira, she used to, she used to write. Dude, I, I went, I got down on He-Man. Yeah. So, so well, he's re... Not like that. <laughs> well, you know, that, is that one of the things that you were not paid for, but <laughs> yeah, you're a professional? Not, not paid for. I'm not a professional. <laughs> So oh, uh, he's rebooting the He-Man franchise. Um, has already signed on Mark Hamill to voice Skeletor. That's amazing. Um, the chick who's fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Tell me. Uh, Sarah Michelle. Sarah Gellar. Michelle Gellar. Yeah. She's on it. Um, great fucking cast. Though. Yeah. And I'm still a little high, so I'm blanking on like most of the names. No, it's but all good. Mark Hamill. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Hit Mark IMDb Hamill. and y'all can uh, take a look. Exactly. That's you know that's why we have IMDb for. Yeah. You know, for stoners like me. <laughs> All right. So, now we've talked about Kevin Smith. We've talked about his movies. Uh, we know a little bit about his history. So, let's talk, you know, why is Kevin Smith so popular? Oh, man. I think it's like we've been talking, you know. He really speaks to a certain level within, you know, our society. Uh, you know, it's and I think they're the forgotten folks. It's the everyday folks, right? Like, you, you I mean, when you think about big you know, big screen movies and, you know, big blockbuster events. They're always these big, you know, over to over the top type of deals where you you go in, you experience it, you kind of take it in, but then you kind of take a big breath and move on. And and he really just kind of embraces the normalcy of life. And I think in, in the end, I, he teaches us how to be more, you know, more, more, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, more engaged, more, you know, happy, enriched with our everyday life. I mean, I don't know about you, man, but but for me, and maybe it was just because I was working at a blockbuster video at the time when I watched Clerks. But you know, I, I I'm watching that movie and I'm going, but that's my life. I understand that and I appreciate it. It's almost like he he brings up the fact that other people like me exist out there and makes it okay and almost makes it dare I say cool. Yeah, don't ever say cool. Yeah, then you know it'll be too popular and then it'll <laughs> right. be thrown away. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think. Just his, he's very creative. Uh, he has a lot of great ideas, but like you said, it boils down to it's comedy for me and you. Yeah, it's not comedy for the critics. It's not comedy for the people who are looking for a tour film. Right. You know, Martin Scorsese will probably never watch a Kevin Smith movie. <laughs> right. But I don't. He doesn't care, and his fans don't care. Sure. Uh, when I went to go see a, um, one of his podcasts in Hollywood uh, called Hollywood Babylon. Mm-hmm. The audience looked like me. Yeah. I was the audience. Yeah. And we looked like Kevin Smith. Like, inadvertently, like, you know, we had the beard and we were fat. He was fat at the time. Like, a whole bunch of people were, we looked like Kevin Smith. Yeah. And you go to any of his um, Q&As or whatever, everybody looks like you and me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, he's comedy for the everyman. So, uh, another reason I think he is so popular and one of the reasons why I love him so much 
is he's a huge inspiration. Sure. So, um, first of all, he's inspired me to smoke a lot more weed, which um, <laughs> I have a whole uh, podcast related to, to weed right. because, uh, yes, you can definitely be creative and still be functional while being high. Um, some of you may who have listened to my high podcast may disagree with that statement, but uh, we think we like to think we're pretty funny and uh, we get a lot done. Um, he's also inspired me to to write my stories. Uh, I you know I self selflessly plug my shit. Um, is that the right word? Yeah. Is that in the right term? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. I, selfishly. I, I selfishly. Yes. Selfishly. It is. It is yeah, pretty no, selfish that no. I plug my shit. Unabashedly. Unabashedly plug my shit. Yeah, shamelessly. There you go. Yeah. Oh, those are all way better words. Yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to. Yeah. Those creative writing <laughs> so, classes are finally exactly coming. finally paying off, yeah. man. Twenty years later. <laughs> uh, up to the end, like you know, I had always been. I always thought of myself as a decent writer, but every time I went to write a longer prose, uh, I, I could never do it. I didn't, I was not confident in my abilities. Uh, I definitely didn't think that I could, you know, expand a story beyond the first like 10 pages. Um, I had tried to write the next great American novel so many times Mm -hmm. and failed every bit. Uh, but it wasn't until I started really listening to the Kevin Smith podcast where he would tell in his Q and A's and his speaking engagements. And then he reiterate the same point in a, a future podcast where it's like, nobody will tell will write your stories. Yeah. You, if you have a story to tell, don't expect anybody else to tell it. You need to do it yourself. And I'd had this thought in my brain, this story idea, in my brain, ever going back to even before when I had a kid about this guy who um, has a kid and, his kid has to go find him through the universe by using wormholes. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, listening to Kevin Smith podcast like really gave me confidence. Like I nobody's gonna tell this fucking story except for me. And so I wrote it the story down in script form because it was a little bit easier to expand the idea, but I don't have to put in all the detail. So I wrote the script for Race to Space, mm-hmm. and I, I worked on it really hard. It took me. A good amount of time. I got. I had my wife edit it. It was perfect, and I was so confident that I took a chance. I went out to California to try to sell the script, but I really wanted to meet with Kevin Smith. And while I was out there, I came. I ran across Kevin Smith, and I. My whole goal was to give him the script, and he's like, "I can't do that because yeah. of uh, like union rules, like writer union rules right. and shit." But he's like don't fucking stop writing, man. Just keep writing your shit. Yeah. Like, and if nobody's going to make it, then make it yourself. But just, just keep writing your shit. Cause eventually someone's going to, to get it. So super motivating. The guy couldn't have been nicer. I came home. My wife was like, you should turn that script into a story. And so then I turned it into a, a novella. Right. I, the first publisher I sent it off, bought it and they bought my series. Yeah. And so I, I am a published author. Directly because Kevin Smith has said nobody's going to tell your stories except for you. Yeah. So I will always have a place in my heart for Kevin Smith. He's inspired me so much. So that is why you know I even yeah. wanted to do this because yeah. you know he's been so much to me. That's awesome, man. And and I think you know really bringing it back to why people you know why he has such a cult following. You know I think there's probably other people like that that have similar stories. You know, so many times we hear stories of, you know, celebrities always look good on stage when they're all gussied up. And then, you know, you hear that they meet him and you're like, man, that guy's such a prick. He was so rude to me. He wouldn't give me the time of day. And I think you can just look at Kevin Smith and know that he's that type of guy that would just hang out, smoke a blunt with you, talk, talk stories with you and uh, and inspire you to do better. Because, I mean, ultimately, I mean, he was, you know, he was fortunate. He was driven. He was motivated. And he got that stuff done, found some early wins and just kept doing it. You know, the tragedy of life is thinking of, Someone like Kevin Smith had not had been relegated to, you know, his dad says, hey, you got to get a real job, right? Quote, yeah, quote, real job. And all of a sudden he's, you know, a middle manager at, you know, whatever, some packing plant. I mean, it's fucking it's garbage. You know, and, you, know you, you said something that like, really struck me just now. Uh, you know, his father and his mother were really uh, embraceive of, you know, he wanted to be a filmmaker. He went to college for four months. He and he didn't. Uh, he didn't do well in college. He came home and he has like, Hey mom, dad, I really want to make this movie. I, you know, I need to borrow some money. And they're like, do it, go in and pursue your dreams. Mm-hmm. I'm very lucky that my parents 
have done the same thing for me, and right. I really want to carry that to my son. Like, sure. I want my kid to do whatever makes him happy, whatever he wants to do. I want to be like that. And you're right. Like, if his dad had never taken him to his movies, or if his dad said, "No, I'm not going to give you," you know, the five thousand dollars that's in my savings right now. Um, you know, what would where would we be without it? Right. Yeah. Where where would where would civilization? I mean, truthfully, I mean, it's not like it's only the United States watching this stuff, right? And you know, I like to I like to exaggerate a little, but I mean, at the end of the day, if there's no Kevin Smith, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I think there's kind of a hole there. Maybe we don't know that there's a hole there. But I mean, you think about all the careers, all the actors' careers that got started because Kevin Smith was just finding talent out of nowhere, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, bam, and all of a sudden you've got all these people on the scene that have, I mean, shaped everything. And who the fuck would know that a schooner is a sailboat without Kevin Smith? <laughs> I still, I, I have tried to do those three D images oh, so much in my life. I never once, but no, never once. Schooner is a sailboat, you fucking moron. <laughs> all right, so. When, let's talk about him in the context of today's creators. Sure. You know, he's created a legacy through podcasting, filmmaking. Um, he said him and Quentin Tarantino and to a lesser extent, Robert Rodriguez really established the, you know, indie is cool. For sure. Um, but where does he belong amongst today's creators? Well, I think he's top notch. I mean, he's it, it, what, when I think about creation, it is truly how do you just create something pure, un, unabated, not done for a cash grab, not done because you're going to sell the toy. You know, I mean, it, you, you just when you really talk about the pure creators and what they do for the legacy of cinema and, you know, all the arts and, and comic book. I mean, you name the medium. But at the end of the day, he is he just does what he does. So, like, he, you know, he would never be considered Hollywood. Right. You know, I, I've come to know the term Hollywood is uh, you're just doing stuff for money. You're just trying to appeal. It's like you're the Nicholas Sparks of literature. Like, fuck you, the notebook. Like, flat out. Like, you know, I don't care if you like the story or not. It's garbage. It's trash. It's manufactured emotion and hurt. And I don't like that. Um, you know, be pure. Write your story. You know, and that's what I think Kevin Smith represents is he, he wants everybody to just be them and that be good enough. And, and that's big. So... This is a, kind of a weird question. It actually will tie us back to our conversation from when we first started. Yeah. Talking about Parks and Rec, talking about The Office. Do you think there would be shows like that if it wasn't for a clerk? Who knows? I mean, I mean, he really just made like normal, quote unquote, normal banter cool. He made it clever. I mean, he taught us what the word ruse is. I mean, did you ever until Randall says that's a cunning attempt at a ruse? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, come on. Again, it's a quotable movie, right? But I mean, no. I, I to your point, Dave. I I don't I don't think you have a lot of these things without these core creators. So he's is. I mean, he's up there with. You know, I mean, you, you can laugh. Uh, you know, I mean, you you the listener. But uh, you know, what? Where's life without Spielberg? Well, yeah, that's for special effects, and George Lucas the same for these big, grandiose blockbuster deals, but there's still this indie thread that is so important, and you don't have that. There's no balance, you know? Yeah. So. I, I tell you, I'm with you 100%. Do you think you'll ever get the respect that he deserves? Oh, man. I, you know what? I don't think he cares. I think that's the most important part. So, so by and large, I, I mean, yes, I, I think he will because he gets it from the right people. You know? And now, if you're saying from the Academy, I mean, is he going to win a Golden Globe or an Academy Award? Fuck no. But I don't want him to. And I don't think any of his fans want him to either. Yeah. I don't know what he'd do. Holding up, he'd be like, I don't know why they gave me this thing. You know? I can see him getting an Emmy just because he, he does awesome work and TV is a little different medium. But, you know, I think maybe like a lifetime achievement. Oh, there's got to be one of those in there. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. along the way. Yeah. Maybe when he dies, he'll get uh, a posthumous credit or something. Yeah, you know what they'll probably do is they'll probably do like some indie lump deal, like uh, honorable mention at this year's Academy Awards, the 130th year is uh, Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, uh, Richard Linklater, all you know, all the guys, all the indie people. Yeah, you know, and they'll be like, okay, cool, and uh, you know, here's a wall of fame, and that's it. Yeah, but it's fine. So um, I think we've done, we've exhausted everything that we can about Kevin Smith. Yeah, I think we're we're both, uh, you know. Really love the guy, you know, find uh, that he's super creative. And I really look forward to his next batch of movies coming out. I really want him to fucking finish up this tour that he's been on because I want him to get back to podcasting. Cause, nice. Uh, I miss his podcast. They're really good. So um, 
Let's do, uh, you know, what do you got coming up? Oh, man. Uh, Anything besides work you got going on? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, um, the kids are busy as ever They're uh, with their activities, so so rolling that. We got a vacation at the end of April where we might end up on the uh, Oregon coast for a ten, for 10 oh, days or so. Very nice. So to maybe do a road trip out there, but, you know, man, it's uh, I'm kind of heavy season for work right now, so I'll just leave it at that. Right on. So uh, we're going to have a, another episode of the uh, Dive Bar coming up next month. Uh, you know, we, we like to talk about, you know, what's something that we really want to dive into and talk about. And we don't want to just be movies or directors. We want to kind of branch out to different things that we really like, dig. And so we both grew up at the beginning of grunge rock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're going to be uh, looking about that, listening to some Nirvana, some Pearl Jam over the next month. Oh, yeah. So sometime in March, uh, we don't really know yet because it's kind of a toss-up. It's busy for uh, Chris at work. So we'll, we'll eventually, sometime in March, sometime. we're going to be deep diving into the grunge rock. And uh, hopefully sometime this week, uh, James and Nancy will be cured from the coronavirus and we can record a mile high podcast so make sure you check that out um chris uh law uh, who is our host for the nerd corner i don't know how much you follow trucky pacific but our twitch video game streamer is Mm -hmm. chris law he's a member of the mile high podcast he is doing a 12-hour video game stream in honor of his six months of sobriety so uh, make sure you check out the Nerd Corner and check out his Twitch channel. He's fucking killing on Twitch. Like, I we're pretty envious because he's able to get all these fucking subscribers. People are throwing money at him and shit. Yeah. Like, why can't? <laughs> why won't anybody fucking invest in us? But it's so because, if you are, it's because it's kids with their with their parents' credit cards. Yeah, video that's, games. that's very true. So, but if you want to sponsor us, go to the High Podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, we can be bought and sold for very little money. So, <laughs> the High Podcast at gmail.com any last words of wisdom my friend no listen as always dave it's always a pleasure to share in our creative juices and uh talking Ooh. about your inspiration and idol and kevin smith it was a treat for me and uh no i hope it's a treat for our listeners as well yeah i love to swim in your juices so <laughs> uh, all right that's a good way to end it so you, know, you guys have a good ever. night thanks for uh, joining us the dive bar is a trucky pacific production For comments or sponsorship inquiries, go to thedivebarpodcast at gmail.com.